I'm not sure if I fully understand the power of the cross. I'm not sure if I fully understand its extent. I was listening to a a clip yesterday from a, a preacher. The power of the cross was so intense and the work of the cross was so intense that a man that was beside Jesus on a cross who had mocked him, who had made fun of him, and, and had reviled him and had lived a life contrary to him, saw him on the cross and say, are you the Christ? And, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The love of Jesus was so intense that he says, you don't need this thing, this thing. What you just need is you need me. Sometimes I think we complicate the issue. And I understand that we, we need to grow. We need to live and to walk in maturity and in steps of faith. But sometimes I think we get it so mixed up that we forget Jesus in the whole picture. We, we get, and, and, and in this clip, it was kind of funny, but he said, you know, he went to heaven. And I don't think this actually happens in heaven, but we have made it because it's maybe all that we can envision. But the angel comes and said, who are you? And he said, well, uh, he says, what are you doing here? Did you attend catechism class did you do this did you understand and the guy just kept going no 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 and finally he says well why are you here and he says all I know is the guy in the middle said today you'll be with me in paradise the work of Christ is so powerful and yet I have found it is so often neglected I'd want to take a few moments this morning. I want to go through another psalm. I've enjoyed the psalms. I, I wrote down in my notes, sometimes I feel like the psalmist, except I don't strum, I don't sing, and I don't write poetry. And yet, I feel like the psalmist. Because he pours out his heart like, I mean, he lets it out. And I thank God for the psalms because when I read them, I see somebody who goes, God, there's something bigger, and yet I'm struggling with this, but there's something bigger. And some people will say the Psalms are a picture that even though they're in the Old Testament, that they have this revelation, this understanding of God in them that supersedes or goes past the Old Testament. And that's why sometimes when you get a shortened version of the Bible, you'll get the New Testament and then you'll get the Psalms and the Proverbs because some of the people that have looked at it go, there's something in there 
that surpasses the rules, the regulations, and everything in the Old Testament. And David understood something in the Psalms, and the psalmist understood something about God that superseded the rules and the regulations. Numerous times David says, you know what? I deserve that, but maybe God will take it easy on me. I deserve the yelling, the screaming. I deserve all that they're doing to me. But just maybe if I fall into the hands of a loving God, maybe he'll look at me with a mercy that I don't deserve. And that's something you don't see a lot of in the Old Testament, that understanding. God said it because he said, listen, nation, you're going to come to me and then you're going to run away. And you know what? I'm going to come and I'm going to chase after you. So God's heart was there, but sometimes we confuse the issue and we dig ourselves a hole. And David said, you know what? I deserve that. I, I actually deserve those things. I'm, but maybe God will be gracious to me. And there's a picture in the Old Testament of a gracious God, a loving God, that I see throughout the Psalms that gives me some amazing hope. It comforts me. It comforts me. Because in this last little season, I've had more questions than I probably had in 35, well, I'm 55 right now, so probably in the last 55 years of my life. I've had more questions and more unanswered thoughts in this last little while, but I'm so thankful that his love never wanes, it never gives up, it never stops, it keeps chasing me, it keeps hunting me down, and he keeps saying, come, David, come, come. Well, I've messed up, God. I didn't think you cared for me. Come. Well, you know, I I thought maybe you did that to beat me up. No, that's not me, David. Come. Well, I I deserve it. I actually said this, or I actually said that, or I actually posted this, or, or printed that. And he says, David, come. I serve such a loving God that looks at me and he says, come. He looks at me and he sees my mess. He sees my mixed up thoughts, my confusion, my misunderstanding, my no knowledge at all. And he still says, you know what? Come. And in the Psalms, we see that time and time after again, where the psalmist pours out his heart. And then God, he has this revelation or this thought and he says but you oh God and he comes to God and he says you're gracious you're loving you're tender mercies you're loving kindness they're new every morning I thank God it's every morning and not once a month can you imagine it's like oh gee whiz it's August the 3rd and I've already messed up and I gotta wait till September 1st no he says David it's new every morning and by the way you cannot exhaust God You can exhaust me, but you cannot exhaust God. So I'd like to read a psalm to you, and then I'm going to go through that psalm. And I want to look at a progression through that psalm. It's Psalm 3. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to close your eyes, get rid of distractions, 
and just close your eyes and just listen and try to put yourself in this psalm. Try to put yourself in some of the emotion of how David is writing. He starts by saying, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who've set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to you, Lord. Your blessings be upon the people. Selah. This, this psalm actually, one of the titles, some, uh, sometimes when you read psalms or if you're reading in some versions, it has little what they call pericopes, which are kind of headings above the, the paragraph. And they're not necessarily the written uh, description. It's just what the translators or what they tried to do to give you a picture of it. And the pericope or the explanation in front of this verse or this chapter, it says, the Lord helps his troubled people. <laughs> Anybody here ever felt troubled? I, I just love the way this psalm starts. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're, you're thinking, we're going to work up to this conversation? And you say, how are you doing? And they go, blah. And you thought, well, gee, I thought we'd have some niceties. Yeah, I'm doing okay. The weather's great. Yeah, but, you know, and, and I'm struggling a little bit. And by the way, I'm really frustrated with. And David just goes, Lord, where are you? And what's going on? Don't you see all of these things happening about me and everything and it's trouble and it's increased and it's increased? I thank God that he says, it's okay, David, just come at me and just spill your guts. Now, be careful. You don't do that to people. You do that with God. But David, I mean, what a, what a way to start. Oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. I want to I read this again. My adversaries, many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, of my will, my mind, my emotions, my person, those who know me. Many are saying there's no deliverance, there's no hope, there's no help for him in God. Can you imagine that indictment against you? And then what's funny is this little word salah. And I always thought that meant let's stop and praise God for this amazing thing that was just said. And here is this downer, David the downer. And he's saying, think about. And what I'd like to do for about 15 seconds, I'd like you to be completely honest, not with me, but with God. And for 15 seconds, 
Can you actually think and just think to him? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think to him and say, I'll be honest right now, God. My life's in a mess. I need you. I need you. You know why, God? Because I can't fix this myself. I killed Goliath. Well, actually, you killed him. I just threw the rock. And it was off aim, but you directed it and pulled it and pushed it right into his forehead. And yet, the same guy that killed Goliath is running from his son. I, I find it amazing because I always hear about David and Goliath and, and God would not bring a Goliath in front of you unless you realize the God inside of you. But here it is, after that amazing thing happens and time goes on and if you read it, you actually find out he fled from Saul and he was on the run and he was being hi hiding in caves and he was hiding in the desert. He was hiding wherever he could. Here this amazing man who had this amazing victory and now he has his son and his son wants to take the throne and David the king David is king at this moment he runs away sometimes the place of your peace actually gets disturbed I have found that I grew up in church, and I'm not sure I understood it fully until recently. This is my place. Don't disturb me. And yet, you know what? Something happened, and it came inside, and it disturbed everything around me. And you say, well, you're king. Can I say a phrase? Life happens. And you say, oh, come on, be more spiritual than that. I'm trying to be real spiritual right now. Life happens. I got another phrase for you. God happens. Sometimes we get stuck on the life happens and we stay there. And that's what David, in this psalm, I just find it amazing. He says all these things and then he says, Salah, think about it. That I want you to see what happens after the moment of thinking about all the trouble. And what happened is David, in this moment, what I picture is that he's looking at himself going, look at what mess is around me. And he's looking inward or he's looking at some of the physical things. And it's not that those things aren't real. They were real. He was on the run. He was on the run. His son had pulled and done a coup on the kingship and had run around and he had sent notices all throughout the land and say, listen, when you hear the sound, I want you to yell out, Absalom is king. And that noise came back and it came back to David and David said, if I stay here, I'm dead. And some of David's right-hand men had left him. Some of those people David had confidence in had left him and gone with Absalom. Some of those things that you thought you could trust in left him. And David was left with God. 
But let me tell you, if you're left with anyone, make it God. If everything else gets swept, swept away, mushed away, pushed away, gets driven away, may you be left with God because David says, but you, O Lord. And this morning, I want to take you from the Salah moment where we all seem to have those pity parties that we all stay in, that we all go in, and I understand that. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want the T-shirt, but I probably have it. But don't stay there, but get to the point where you say, but you, O Lord. And David says, but you, Oh, Lord, are a shield about me. These are truths in God's word. Don't let the pressure of the day annul the truth of his word. Don't let the stress... Don't let the anxiety, don't let the uncertainty, don't let the frustration, don't let the happenings of the moment annul and disqualify or disown the promises or the word of God. The word of God is true. The word of God is sure. The word of God is certain. And if I found anything in these moments, I have found he is my rock. And David says, all these things are happening, and he sees it, and he's got guys running for his life with him. And he says, but you, O Lord, are a shield. I wrote down a few of the but gods in the Bible because I think sometimes we forget the but God. And often the word but means there's an opposite, an opposing thought. I'm in trouble, but... I'm feeling okay. I'm, I'm this, but, and it shows a contrast. And I am so thankful for the but gods in the word of God. And I've got a few of them. I just wrote down a few of them. God, I like this one. I was thinking about it yesterday. But God remembered Noah. But just think about that. Let's, let's think about that for about 30 seconds. Noah's the only one left alive, him and his family. And they've been cooped in a boat for almost a year. If you read it. It rained for 40 days, and it, they went in in one month, and it was like the 10th month. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been stuck in a situation, I wonder if Noah ever said, God? <laughs> How long am I on this cruise for? The animals are driving me nuts. I'm starting to talk to the donkeys. And you know what? They're starting to talk back to me. I mean, a donkey did talk in the Bible. But can you imagine? I mean, we read it in a chapter. And we read it in about a five-minute spell. And it's like, oh, yeah, but God came in. But can you imagine being in that boat? 
and they didn't have room service. He didn't have an observation deck that he went to that he sat on in a nice chair to look. He was stuck. And then the boat actually gets stuck as the water resides. It gets stuck on the side of a mountain. And it says, but God remembered. And this morning, I'm here to give you some hope, and I'm st- I want to stir up your faith that there's but God moments in your life. And there's an interesting aspect about them. God is always there, but sometimes we forget to recognize it. And what happens is when you start to recognize the but God moments in your life, it starts to change your perspective, it starts to change your vision, it starts to change your thoughts. And I'm just thinking Noah, he probably got a little excited when God reminded him and God said, hey, open it up and put a bird out and let's see what happens. <laughs> There's a God. I didn't build this thing for nothing. Come on. If, 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 if anything, I'm, I, he probably had some interesting days there. You know, the smell with his wife for a year. And his kids. <laughs> but God. But God. Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The same, th- the mess he went through. It didn't change what he went through, but it changed how he came out of it. And his brothers, those around him, thought, man, we've done this so for harm and for all this trouble. And Joseph was able to look at it and says, you thought this, but God. And this morning, I'm asking God to give you but God moments so that you can put into perspective maybe some of the things that have happened around you. I can't understand some of the things that have happened around me. But I am determined that it's but God, and it's but God time. David hides in the desert strongholds in the, in the hills, but God did not give him to Saul. <laughs> my heart and my flesh fail me, he says in Psalm 73, but God is the strength of my life. Jonah said he sank to the roots or the base of the mountain and that he was barred from this, the earth. He says, but God brought his life from the pit. Can you imagine being swallowed by a whale? And we used to say that could never happen, but recently a guy was actually caught by a whale. I mean, and he, he was only in it for like 15 seconds. I don't know. It wasn't like a day or anything like that. It's pretty desperate. <laughs> Seaweed wrapped around you. The smells. The acid. A whale or a big fish is not the most clean thing around. I can't, I cannot, how did he get oxygen for that? But God delivered him from that pit. If there was no other person happier on that day, it was Jonah. 
And what's amazing is God heals them. He speaks to that people, and they, he, and they turn from the wicked thing and the thing that God was going to do. They turn from their wickedness, and then he goes and he sits behind, on a tree, and there's a, some shade, and he waits for God to destroy them. He just got saved three days in a whale or a fish, and this happens. Sometimes we do the funniest things. We get but God moments, and then we forget the but God moment. In Acts, there's three or four verses where it talks about Jesus being killed, being destroyed by the people of the day. It says, but God raised him up. One of them says, they put to death, I just love the way this reads, the irony of the statement. They put to death the author of life. Can you actually put to death the author of life? He authored life. But somehow us in our human thinking think we can do things better than God or we can get rid of God. And I'm here to tell you, you might feel like you're in this pit. You might feel like you're overwhelmed. You might feel like it's tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. You might feel like there's no hope. You might have even heard people say, there's no hope for you because this happened and that happened. I'm here to tell you, but God. And I want you to see what David does. He praises God. You're my glory, the one who lifts me up. I was crying to the Lord with my voice. He answers me. And then listen to what he does. I lay down and slept. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do in your distress, the first thing you do is cry out to God, and the next thing you might want to consider doing is having a nap. Sometimes the internal stress can be relieved by an external action. The internal stress and the commotion inside of him was like, what's going on, what's going on? But you, God, you're strong, you're great. I praise you, and ah, I'm tired. Have a nap. Just not while I'm preaching. Please, not while I'm preaching. That would do it for me. I'd be going, but God, you gave me this word, and everybody's sleeping. Anyways, the things that go on in my head. In the middle of your crisis, in the middle of your what's going on, in the middle of being disturbed from your peace, in the middle of being chased out of the comfort of your home, in the middle of all this mess, cry out to God, and then you know what you do? Is you take a rest. David, in Psalm 23, he says, he prepares a table in front of my enemies. There is such a peace and a comfort that God can bring that defies explanation and defies logic and defies what you should actually... I should actually be fortifying this. I should actually be doing this. And I understand that. But there's also an element of, you know what? God, this is your battle. This is your fight. This is your stuff. I'm going to just rest in you. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get rest 
because the inner you and the outer you are very closely connected. We talk a lot about mental health these days and completely understand. I'd like to say we should be talking about spiritual health. And what I have found is I've pondered it and thought about it a lot is I believe spiritual health and mental health are very closely related. And we have people, proponents of mental health, and I thank God for that. There are some amazing things. But we don't talk about the spiritual health that we need to do, the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual habits that we need to have in order to see the spiritual health. And what I found is the better my spiritual health the better my mental health. If you want to increase your mental health, do the spiritual health and you'll find your mental health will grow. If you only concentrate on the mental health, you'll only get the mental health and you'll be mental. Okay. I was trying to be funny. But if you only concentrate on doing this, my mindset, this idea, I'm going to think positive, I'm going to do this, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to exercise. If that's all you think about and you don't think about, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to praise his name. I'm going to seek him early. I'm going to seek him first. If you don't do that, you may get some of these benefits, but they're only going to last you for so long. And what I have found is when you take the spiritual health, the mental health follows. The inner you and the outer you are closely connected. I want you to see what happens. He awakes. I love this. Take a nap, and the Lord will sustain you, and you wake up, and he'll be with you. He didn't leave him. He says, I slept. I lay down, I slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. And then I want you to see the perspective change that David has compared to his first couple verses. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. In the first verse, he was saying, God, don't you see what's happening? Cry out to God. Take some rest. And then he says, ha, huh, I'm not afraid of 10,000s of people. 45 minutes ago, before my power nap, I was. But I'm not afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against. I mean, he even knows. He doesn't just say that. He says, who've set themselves against me round about. I, like, like, I'm fully aware of what they're doing. They're conniving. They're taking away my exit. They're coming in on me. He says, I'm not afraid of that. Arise, O Lord, save me, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. Do you see the perspective change? Don't get stuck in that dust and in that vortex and in that mess of uncertainty, confusion, anxiety, stress, uh, like what's going on, why not, what this, where did this go, when did this happen? Don't get stuck in there, but instead go, but you, O Lord. Declare him. 
Then get some perspective, whether it's a nap or whether it's getting, but do something, get some perspective, and then what you might see is you might see something change. David says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 who set themselves against me. And the last verse, it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And what I want you to see is that word salvation doesn't mean him on the cross. That word salvation actually has a picture associated with it of us uh, realizing and seeing and understanding the destroying that he did. He didn't just get rid of it. He destroyed it. He didn't just make it inoperable. He destroyed the works of the evil one. And those things that you thought could only hold you down, I believe and I speak and I declare that he has destroyed those things and they will not have the effect on you that they have an effect on someone else. Why? Because but God is greater than any devised plan that man can come up with. And my prayer for you this morning is for you to get a but God moment. And the second thing is that you would get a revelation of the depth of destruction that Jesus did to that thing which chases you or has haunted you or has bugged you or has kept you awake at night and and that you would see but God and all of a sudden that thing, you would see its power gone, its chains broken, it would be destroyed. Why? Because God is still God. He hasn't changed. He hasn't been worried about 2020. 2020 didn't mess him up. COVID didn't mess him up. Disappointments didn't mess him up. God is still God. And have the but God moment and then see his salvation. And my prayer is that you would understand and gather. And it's not even that you have the gumption. Sometimes you just have to say it. Like, you don't have to have all the answers. You say, but God, you're my shield. You're my strength. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I'm going to have a nap because I can't figure this out. But God, it's your battle. And then you wake up and you go, you know what? I'm not afraid of that stuff. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of that. Why? Because he sustains me. He wakes me up. He's my protector. And Lord, you have given me salvation and I will see the destruction of the enemy. His teeth will be smashed. His cheek will be broken. He's going to get put down and put out. And he doesn't get the opportunity to come back. I'll say that again so I can get a couple more uh, amens. The work Jesus did is a complete work. Anything that you're stressing out about, seek him first. Seek him first. Don't have but God at the end of the conversation. Have but God at the beginning of the conversation. And what I found is it's okay to go blah, to God. I have found that that has actually helped me a lot. And what's funny is he already knows it, but sometimes I think it's good for us to get it out so we realize, ah, 
It's no longer stuck in here. It's now out. Okay, but God, you're strong. You're mighty. You're holy. Amen? My timer went off. I'm just going to, I put a bunch of notes in blue. I'm just going to read those notes. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get some rest. The inner and the outer are closely connected. Christ destroyed it. It no longer has the right power or authority over you. You can either look at your troubles or you can look to God. Huh? That's true. When perspective changes, position changes. David's position changed because her perspective changed. And then I'll get back to my statement I said at the beginning. There are days when I feel like a modern-day psalmist, except I don't strum, I don't sing, and I don't write poetry, but God. I thank God for God. Amen? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, be with everyone. Would you bless them? Would you cause your face to shine on them? Would you give them funny, neat, little expressions of your love today? Just like you did to me when I drove in this morning, changing all the lights. Just the little things that you do just to say, I've got this. Lord, would you let us see the intricacy of how much you are involved in our life by someone paying for me when I go through a drive-thru or Lord, just, just a little, little glimpse so that I would go, but God. In your precious name, Father. Amen. Before you exit, I want to thank all of you for giving. And if you have your tithes and gifts, you can give them here or we do it online as well. And also, we have a, I mean, we're going to get name tags because we've been gone away for so long. It's like we have to reintroduce ourselves. But I'd like to introduce you to a young new member of the church this morning, Ava Rain Bellamy, Matthew Monique's little one who's about just over two weeks old. Can you guys stand for one second? Wow. I had the I had the privilege of holding her in my arms the other night and uh just it's so peaceful. And you see Matthew and you me and me and you go, peaceful? <laughs> but she's bringing something beautiful to your family. I'm so happy for you. Now, I will ask give them space. Um, just, just with everything that's going on, I think we still need common sense. Okay, so we're, she's not going to be passed around to everybody. If Matthew and Monique want to hold her, they can hold her. They are the parents. <laughs> so, uh, but just if you want to see her, they may say, here, you see with your eyes, not your hands, you know. Um, but I'm so thankful for little Ava. And I know we've had other little ones too um, over this last year. So one day we're going to have a reintroduction service. Anyways, God bless you. May you have an incredible week. But God, and then remember what he's done for you. Amen? God bless you.